Hello there everyone and welcome to The Stagey Place, the podcast where we hear chat to those who make theatre from behind the scenes. From writers to directors, producers to designers. And on today's episode we have Roxy Cook, the writer and director of A Woman Walks Into a Bank, which is coming to Theatre 503 from tonight the 21st of November through to the 9th of December. I had a lovely chat with Roxy a couple of weeks ago, a couple of days ahead of rehearsal starting for the show. So I really hope that you enjoyed this episode with writer and director Roxy Cook. Hello Roxy and welcome to The Stagey Place. How are you doing today? I'm good. Thanks for having me, Elliot. Yeah, really nice to to join you today. Thank you so much for joining me, Roxy. Today, we're here to talk about A Woman Walks Into a Bank, which is being staged at Theatre 503 from the 21st of November until the 9th of December. Now, Roxy, this is the recipient of the 2023 Theatre 503 International Playwriting Award. How does that feel for you? This is your first play. This was chosen from 1,400 submissions in this award season. How does it feel to be the recipient of that award? Yeah, I mean, listen, I'll take it. it. It's really nice. I've been working on the play for a while. I started in 2019 and then it obviously all got paused a little bit over COVID and then obviously the war because <laughs> uh, the play's about Russia and, and set in Russia. So it's been a bit of a long time coming and it's just so lovely that, yeah, that people have enjoyed it and sort of recognised it and that it finally gets to gets to come to life shortly. Yeah, it is very exciting. And we're going to talk a lot about the play today, about the inspiration behind writing the play, about your favourite bits of the show, what audiences may be excited for coming to see the show. But Roxy, what I like to do here on this podcast is just find a little bit about you and your journey into theatre. I know you work in a little bit of TV as well. So let's talk a little bit about your journey specifically into theatre. So when did theatre start to become a thing in your life and you wanted to become a writer within the industry? Yeah, good question. I mean, I went to theatre a lot as a child. My parents actually met when they were playing the leads in Taming of the Shrew at Moscow University, <laughs> which is quite a funny story. But uh, yeah, I went to theatre a lot and then went to Edinburgh Uni. One of the reasons I went there is because the theatre scene there is so good. So I did the Fringe every year, did a lot of student theatre there. Then I went to Mountview, did directing. And then I worked for about five, six years as a director on the London sort of fringe mid-scale venues, doing assisting, associate directing. I directed some new writing and that was going well, but I wanted to have a go at TV. <laughs> so just before COVID or just during COVID, I moved into TV and actually found that a lot of the skills that you get as a sort of director of new writing, you can, yeah, they're sort of transferable. But at the same time, I started writing this play. I just really had this hunger to tell this story. So for me, it was a slightly upside down way of getting at it. It wasn't that I thought, thought I'm going to be a writer. It was really just, I want to tell this story. And that's actually sort of got me into writing. It's been lovely. And so, yeah, since, since 2019, 2020, started writing this play, started working on TV. And now I sort of find myself back at 503, where I actually did... I worked on a show called Rotterdam a long time ago for a few years after that side life at 503. And so it's been a really interesting sort of little loop, which has been a bit all over the place and not quite as planned as some people. Yeah, that's the journey. Yeah, let's talk a little bit there. You said about the transferable skills that you have from working in new writing as a director before going into TV. But there are feel those transferable skills talk to me a little bit about that as well because people of this podcast might be thinking about tv as well at the same time because it's not always about theater people might want to go to tv for the money for example what is the transferable skills that you found 
that you had from theatre that you then transferred to TV? Yeah, it's a really interesting one. I mean, I think the lines are getting a lot more blurred between TV and theatre now. I think a lot of writers are moving between theatre and TV. A lot of creatives are moving between theatre and TV, which I think is a really good thing. I think that theatre learned a lot from TV because everyone over COVID was watching TV and sort of vice versa. I think they don't feel as separate as they once were. In terms of the role, essentially, as a director of new writing, you're directing, you're in the rehearsal room, but so much of it is about connecting and finding that talent, nurturing it, developing the plays, developing drafts. And essentially, that's what you're doing. That's what I'm doing on TV. So I'm trying to find that talent, trying to sort of talk to them about the ideas that they have, and then working on them with them on drafts and on, on, on stories. I mean, obviously there are differences, like that they are different forms and you can make a play in like six months. TV mm. takes years and years to make and it's a lot more people are involved in making a TV show. And as a writer, your voice will get watered down massively because you're going to be collaborating essentially with a hundred people <laughs> over, over years and years. It's been a weird one because I, I sort of, to be honest, left theatre for a little bit to work yeah. on TV, but I've actually not felt like I've left theatre. I, I felt very creatively excited and it's felt like it's really fed into the writing and it all seems to feed feed on each other so it's been a really nice discovery I guess it it doesn't feel like two separate things it really feels like the tv shows I'm developing are helping me as a playwright and vice versa yeah so let's move over to the play then a woman walks into a bank again at theatre 503 so Roxy you're saying that you had a hunger just to tell the story rather than being a writer you wanted to get this story out in on stages talk to me a little bit then about the inspiration behind writing the play yeah so I'm half Russian I go to Russia once a year well I did before Covid before the war and I just really wanted to for a long time I suppose sort of 2017 2018 I just really felt like there was a gap (laughs) there was sort of a set of stories that weren't being told I engaged with a lot of drama media about Russia like I've always found modern Russia very fascinating and it was always about oligarchs spies politicians that level of Russia the sort of big bad sexy Russia and it's it's a funny one because I think to be honest I think it's true that is a part of Russia and it's a very interesting very dramatic part of Russia but I just felt every time I visited Moscow for Russia more generally I just felt like there was a set of stories a group of people that weren't really being talked about ever and I just I never was experiencing that in the UK in in the news or on TV or on stage and essentially what that is is the public the mass the people who aren't necessarily super pro-Putin, the people who aren't being incredibly brave and risking their lives protesting against Putin, sort of just the general populace who are, in my experience, just really tired. <laughs> you know, they've had a really hard 100 years, quite disengaged. Even if they did want to engage, not sure it would be super effective. And yeah, this sort of mindset of, I just don't have the headspace to try and improve my life. I'm just trying to get by and pay the bills. And I just thought that that was quite an interesting part of the story that I've, I'd never really, um, yeah, seen or, or sort of experienced as a sort of a viewer. And then around the same time, my grandmother, who still lives in Moscow in a nursing home now, she was starting and, and getting quite developing dementia. And she walked into a bank, sort of a bit confused, and was conned into taking out a high interest sort of payback very quickly loan, which in Russia is very common. So very high percentage of Russians are in debt. And because of, you know, the economy and how expensive it is to live in Russia, it's just a way that people sort of fund things and are able to get by. They take our money, they will pay it back later. And so because of that, there's this whole sort of industry around that. And there are these debt collectors in Russia that are very notorious. They're very, I mean, we have them here. 
you know, you can get hounded by debt collectors in the UK, but in Russia, because there isn't really a civil society in the same way, there aren't really um, things in place to look after vulnerable people. It means that it sort of is a bit more of a wild west. And so what happened is my grandmother who had dementia had taken out this loan for a very small amount of money that she didn't need. She forgot about it. And then this debt collector started to send her death threats and it all in her mind sort of spiraled out of control. And so that's the true part of the story. And I just thought this is a really good starting point to get into the thing that I'm trying to talk about, which is about why people in Russia are not really engaging with each other and why there is no sense of community and and a feeling of responsibility, social responsibility or the lack of and the sort of the stories that these people are telling themselves to get by as a way of talking about the big picture, about the Kremlin, about Putin, without ever really talking about it. So yeah, that's sort of the sign point for it. And then I just imagine this world around around that sign point. Because obviously then you've got to kind of make it theatrical, don't you? Make it more suited towards the theatre stage. And like you said, that it's kind of just a story about the everyday people, the everyday person gets by in life, doesn't really engage with like the political side of things. So how do you then turn that story into a theatrical setting? And is this something that your family also know about this story that is loosely based on this story of your grandmother as well yeah it's a really good question and I and I literally did spend a long time thinking I I can't really just do a show about a woman taking out a loan it's like the most boring starting point for a play and actually I think what I will say is whether the play is good or not it's actually quite a fast-paced comedy so it's sort of really not what you what you might think when after what I just said but effectively yeah it starts with the old woman it's storytellers so they the idea is it's it's some storytellers who have heard this story that happens a lot about an old woman who's walking to a bank and so they're going to tell us the story and have fun with that story so then they're sort of characters in their own right so they tell the story of the old woman and they go immediately to the perspective of the bank manager who called her who's a sort of young aspirational he's only lived in an age of putin guy who's very excited that finally he's got his moment to sort of prove himself he's just been made bank manager they all have and he sort of needs to live up to that and then we flick to the debt collector who is this sort of guy down on his luck and wary and very ashamed to be a debt collector he hasn't told his family about it and so it's sort of the, the premise of the play is it's always like flicking between the POVs of these three characters and really every every scene is sort of told from one person's perspective and it's very much like the storytellers are sort of getting inside their head and then there's a fourth character called Sally who's a cat and my grandmother did have a cat called Sally who did yeah and so the idea is that there it's a very it's a very sort of Russian thing to have a talking cat but the thing about Sally is she's very important to the story because she's the only character who can really see what's about to happen what's going on so she can see that this old woman is behaving strangely she's not really feeding her properly she's going in and out of the flat she's coming back with papers but the thing is because she's a cat and actually quite a disinterested one at that quite a lazy and pleasant cat she sort of can't really do anything to help and so the first act sort of yeah we spend time with these characters including Sally over the course of one day where this loan has been taken out and then we meet them six months later in act two and everyone's life has got a lot harder I'm not I'm not going to give too much away but you know the old woman's really suffering from dementia and has sort of shut herself away from the outside world because of these calls the debt collector has a lot of pressure on him he really needs to get that money bank manager is absolutely sort of winning at life he's forgotten about this thing that he did and what ends up happening is that their paths end up crossing and we end up in a sort of twisted tea party where someone is going to have to take responsibility for what they did and yeah, I try to embrace the storytelling and the narrative aspect of it and sort of really 
have a conversation with the audience about how these characters see themselves and have a bit of a laugh about that as well. And yeah, then then your second question about whether my family know about it. Yeah, they do. I mean, my grandmother doesn't because she wouldn't understand at this point about that. <laughs> and I'm sure would not be happy or impressed if, if she did know. And then, yeah, you know, I've got members of my family in Russia who, who know and who've been really helpful in terms of filling in the gaps about Moscow. Like, yeah. I'm half Russian, but I've never lived there. And so I've got sort of foot in, foot out. And so they've, they've been really useful in colouring in that world. Yeah, and I'm sure you're excited for audiences to meet Sally the cat. What are we doing in terms of the design for Sally the cat? Are we putting her in a cat costume? Has she just got some cat ears? What do you think? Obviously, this is a fast-paced comedy. So are you going full ham on, on the design of Sally? Oh, yeah, full ham. It's totally... No, I'm joking. It's, no, it's really just about the vibe let's yeah. say, of a cat. It, that's okay. it. There's nothing else. It's actually funny because the guy who is associate director and movement director, this great guy called Sam, who helped me workshop a play a few years ago, he actually worked on cats for years. And so we are going to have a cat workshop with the actors where they spend three hours running yeah. around on their hands and knees as cats. But no, <laughs> that's not going to be. Sadly, I'm not going to go full ham, although I kind of want to, but Roxy, <laughs> you should say also that you are going to be directing this play as well. So whenever I talk to directors or writers just solely in a process, I ask about how they feel about the director then going into the room and working with the actors and realising that some lines aren't working. So they're going to change lines and, you know, they then go back to the writer. And they're like, are you OK if we cut this line and stuff like that? For you, obviously, being the writer and director of this play, when you get into rehearsals and you listen to the actors speak your words, how protective are you over the draft or the version of the show that you have now to then make those changes when you listen to the actors say the words out loud? Like, are you happy to make the changes when you get into rehearsals and get into the essence of getting it up on its feet? Yeah, I would say probably my problem is um, that I am too open to change stuff and so sometimes things kind of change I've had drafts I've sort of just been responding to someone's notes and I kind of have to go back because I've realized I've just taken on too many notes the way the play began was super collaboratively so I would go away and write bits and then I would workshop it with two amazing actors called Ben and Alex so it really began like that it began with me someone who hadn't written in well I hadn't written a play play before sort of coming in and as a director saying oh I've got these bits of script let's sort of try them out and and make them into something and so it really began in that very collaborative let's just chop and change a line here let's move a line here or there I feel very happy with the place the play is in and so I'm trying to separate those roles a little bit in rehearsal so that we're not just in a workshop for four weeks because I think what would happen in that case so I as a writer would shoot myself as a director in the foot things will change obviously like it's it's a new piece of new writing we're going to have pre previews they're there for a reason it's a very long play so I hope to cut some of it down and definitely to tighten it up and because it's also a comedy you know we have to see what works with people in the room like it has to land but I, I think because it's been through such a long process of workshopping and because I have these two roles I'm, I'm going to be kind of careful not to have a sort of um, group workshop as I did when I began it because then you can't really work on other elements so yeah it'll be an interesting one I think that's one of the reasons that I've got Sam in the room you know, someone who I've worked with on the play before, who we have a very open, blunt relationship, which I think is good, where he will tell me if I'm wrong and vice versa. And then, yeah, I'm going to try, if, if something comes up in the room, I'm going to take it away out of the room and then I'm going to put my right hat on and at home, I'm going to change it. 
then I'm going to come back in as a director with the script that the writer's given me. And that's my kind of approach at the moment. And 503 have been really, really helpful with that because, you know, 503 is a new writer's theatre. I don't think they've ever had a writer direct their own play before. And so they've been really mindful of how to, yeah, not allow me as a director to, to sort of step on my toes as a writer and, and sort of really support the text and the writing of the piece. You know, that's sort of what they're set up to do. And so they've been really helpful in kind of giving me a framework to to be able to do that so that those lines don't blur too much but yeah. you know it's a funny one because in, the, in theater it's less common in tv and film it's super common you know so and those are really really collaborative forms so yeah. i'm not too worried about it i just have to be strict with myself yeah and like you were just saying there with comedy the audience are really vital because they're the ones that are going to react to the script and you know you want to know what lands you want to know what jokes perform well and what don't perform well in rehearsals you might think this is going to be really amazing the audience are really going to get it and then they don't get it that's what previews are for and that's a brilliant thing about theater rather than in tv you just like get it out and that's it like there's no like previews some some shows that have pilots a lot of american comedies and stuff like that do but for theater obviously you get those previews to listen to the audience so from what you've written or for what you're excited for getting into the rehearsal room which scene or which moment can you tease that you are excited for the audience to watch watch when they come and see the play at Theatre 503? Oh, that's such a good question. <laughs> I can give you a few moments. Does that yeah, work? Go for it, of course. I mean, listen, people love Sally. I'm going to say it. But I think that I think I've already given away my tease. I think you're going to get a very sassy cat, an 18-year-old tabby. I, I used to have a lot more Sally scenes than I was made to cut them, which I think was the right decision. But she's a fun character to spend time with. You're going to get a sort of LucasAid energy bank manager who's an absolute joy to spend time with I mean he is a performer who's very much enjoying spending time with the audience because it's all direct address and then yeah I think the other thing I can tease is that we see these characters separately for a long long time and then we have a sort of sliding doors thing that keeps happening where they keep meeting each other these three characters all together and they do finally all meet each other I will say that that's maybe a bit of a spoiler but they have to otherwise <laughs> it's just a really satisfying show and then we end up as I say in this crazy Russian tea party a little bit faster but something has to go wrong and it's just a question of who and how and and what will happen that's great and like you say there you had to cut loads of sally scenes so maybe in the future we could just have a one cat show of sally in the future (laughs) yeah i mean i had loads of other cat characters as well she went on a real journey but it just it was purely because people had just said they liked Sally and so I was like that's me just taking on notes too much I was thinking I'll just write another five Sally scenes (laughs) she's a kind of the glue holding it all together yeah but she's not a sort of character in the same way as the others no absolutely well Roxy for audiences then who have never been to Theatre 503 in Battersea they've never travelled out to the wonderful venue I love the venue so much it's one of my favourite places for new writing because new writing is what I love to watch and work in why should they make a woman walks into a bank the first show that they go and see at Theatre 503 a woman walks into a bank feels very 503 and what I mean by that is that 503 is a small theatre you know it's a small theatre above a pub it's a fringe theatre but it's quite ambitious as a venue. They put on big plays. And this is a play with like 
80 locations. It's trying to capture the whole of Moscow. It has a talking cat. It's really not play <laughs> that in your head you think, okay, that's going to work on a small stage, you know, in the pub theatre. But I think it's very 503 because it's trying to be ambitious and sort of transport you there anyway. Piece of new writing that is bold, piece of new writing that is sort of, I mean, maybe it's not to everyone's taste. I don't know. It's about Russia, but it's sort of tongue-in-cheek comedy with a talking cat. It's really like a strong flavour, which is sort of me, <laughs> I would say. It's not a, a sort of a, a play that I think sits on the fence. And so I think, again, that chimes with 503. And I, th- I think what new writing should be doing. Absolutely. Well, Roxy, that is A Woman Walks Into a Bank from the 21st of November until the 9th of December at Theatre 503. Now, Roxy, my final two questions on the podcast are the two questions which we ask every guest that come onto the podcast. And the first, as everybody probably always gets asked in the industry, is what your advice is for emerging writers who want to come into the theatre industry. It's a really difficult one because I'm sort of in that place myself, so I'm not sure I have the best advice. One thing I would say is definitely see as much stuff as you can and just get a sense of what's being programmed and what people are talking about and the form what the form is doing and that's really important I think you can't really try and be part of the conversation if you're not aware of what the conversation is and then I think the other thing is just like put your head down and just focus on what the story you want to tell is it's easy to get caught up in the industry part of it and actually it's a funny one because I worked in the industry for five six years as a director and the slightly different job obviously you know you're a facilitator really first and foremost but actually, it's been interesting that when I finally just thought, okay, what's the story I actually want to tell? And I'm just going to write it and just focus on that and not really worry about the end goal. I'm just going to try and make it the best it can be. That's when it's worked out a little bit better for me. So I think that's probably the way to go. I think just if you're if you want to be a writer and tell a story, just focus on that and, you know, go see stuff and talk to people. But I think you sort of have to, you have to knuckle down and just write it. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, as you were saying throughout the episode as well, collaboration seems to come up quite a bit, you know, find the people who you want to share the story with, especially in workshops as well. Like you were saying, you workshop the play with some actors. You then had Sam, you know, who's going to be doing the movement directing and doing that cat workshop and stuff. You've got the collaboration as well, which I think is also just a hugely important thing about working on shows especially new writing for sure I think so I think I think particularly for this play because it's sort of storytelling and it's very sort of language driven you know it's very rhythmic and musical in a way I know that sounds a bit wanky but it is it's very much about the language and the flow of the language like we had to get up on its feet because it's just not something I could really do alone in a room but I think for everybody that's useful I think everyone's process is different some people write collaboratively some people write in a vacuum and that's fine but ultimately it will eventually have to be spoken out loud and so if you can have a group of people who will do that for you in person ideally then that will really help I'm sure I mean for me you know I was really stuck on the final scene about a year ago so I just rang up three actors and got them in a room for a day and that totally unlocked that scene so it's really important to have those people that you trust and that you can just send drafts to and I think the industry has a bit of an issue with feedback I'm going to say, and maybe that's going from TV where there's like a little bit too much feedback. But if you have a piece of new writing and you're doing a reading or you're sending it out, you sort of have to be prepared and you have to allow, give people the space to be really brutal and make them feel like you're okay to hear those, those notes 
And I think a lot of people just don't want that. <laughs> so I would say, yeah, just you don't have to take their notes, but create a space where they can give you the notes and then you can choose. And it's good to know anyway, even if you disagree with them. Yeah, absolutely. Well, Roxy, thank you for that piece of advice for emerging writers coming into the industry. Roxy, my final question on this podcast is the question we ask everybody on this podcast. It's the title of this podcast. That's the stagey place. And what I love to know from all of my guests is where their stagey place is. So Roxy, for you, this could be a theatre in which you were a director. It could be the place where you write your plays. It could be the place that you wrote A Woman Walks Into a Bank. It could be someone who's inspired you throughout your career to be where you are today as a writer and as a director. Or it could not even be a theatre space. It could not even be a person. It could maybe just be the place where you get your inspirations behind the projects that you work on. So, Roxy, whereabouts is your stagey place? Yeah, I'm trying to, in my head, develop, like, a really funny, cool answer that's, like, the stagey place is when you're sort of telling a story with friends and you're sort of feeling out characters, but I'm not, I'm not going to be able to articulate that well. I think, do you know what, I'm going to say 503 because 503 is a really special, it's been a really special venue for me in my career. It's where I did the show Rotterdam, and then I was on that for four years after that, and it was one of the best experiences I had as a director, and I have so much love for that venue and the shows that it puts on and its approach to supporting artists. And so it's really lovely to come back to that. It feels like a nice warm hug. So that's yeah. going to be my stagey place. And yeah, I'll prepare that slightly more, I don't know, <laughs> clever answer for next time. Yeah, absolutely. But I absolutely agree. I've gone to see many of the Theatre 503 shows. Like I said earlier on in this episode, I love new writing. I love what they do. I love the idea that they are such big plays that they try to put on in such a small space and they just work. I mean, you know, if you look at these demons that was just on and the way that they come in and out of the cottage that they present on stage, but then also try to go forwards and backwards in time. So many of the shows that I've seen there have just been absolutely wonderful. So Theatre 503 is definitely an acceptable answer as a stagey place. So Roxy, thank you so much for coming on to today's episode. Once again, to talk about A Woman Walks Into a Bank, which runs from the 21st of November until the 9th of December. We'll have all the links for the ticket info and more information about the show wherever everyone is streaming this episode of the podcast. But for now, Roxy, thank you so much for coming on. Thanks, Ellie. It's been really lovely sharing with you about the show. And there we go. That was my interview with Roxy Cook, the writer and director of A Woman Walks Into a Bank, which comes to Theatre 503 from the 21st of November until the 9th of December. I'd love to thank Roxy so much for coming on to the show. I'm really excited to hopefully being able to make it down to Theatre 503 to catch this production and to see Sally the Cat in particular immersed on stage in London. If you've enjoyed this episode and want to follow us on social media, you can do so on Instagram x at the stagey place. Join us next week when we'll have Nicola T. Chang on the show talking about their work on My Neighbour Totoro and fantastically great women who changed the world. But until then, I hope you're keeping safe and staying stagey. Goodbye. <laughs>